I have them. What happened? I was attacked. How many? Three. Blasted thievers! You won't catch them. Enough, Catherine. It's okay, Ma. Go ahead, just keep them covered. Joseph, those the Welcome to our series on the Witnesses of the Book of Mormon. My name is Camry Bagley-Fox, and we are back with Daniel Peterson, President of the Interpreter Foundation and Executive Producer of the Witnesses Project. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. So there are kind of three groups of witnesses, right? There's the three witnesses, the eight witnesses, and then the unofficial witnesses. What is the purpose of having all these different types of witnesses? I used to think that it was odd that we had the three witnesses and the eight witnesses. What's the point? The eight witnesses are just... Isn't that gilding the lily? I mean, just eight more to throw in for no particular purpose. And then the unofficial witnesses, well, what good are they? I now see it very, very differently from that. Uh, the, the three witnesses have one distinct kind of experience with this you know, spectacular supernatural environment in which they are, where they hear the voice of God and, and see the angel and the plates and all the other objects. The eight witnesses are very different, very secular, very down-to-earth matter of fact they simply see and heft the plates. They turn the pages of the plates, the unsealed portion anyway, but they don't hear the voice of God. They don't hear anything testifying to the truth of the Book of Mormon. They just see a really peculiar object, unusual in their experience. So that in itself is very different and it can't be explained in the same way the three witnesses could be explained. People have said, well, the three witnesses are hallucinating. I don't find that a plausible explanation at all or they're under hypnosis or something like that. But there are actually two groups even there because you have Joseph Smith and Martin Harris having an experience after Joseph Smith, David Whitmer, and Oliver Cowdery have had the experience. So if it's hypnosis or hallucination, it's gotta be done twice in the same day, which is a really high bar. But that explanation doesn't account for the eight witnesses who don't have anything like a hypnotic experience or a hallucinatory experience. It's so matter-of-fact, and their testimony reflects it. They even sound legalistic in their testimony. The said Smith, the plates have the appearance of curious workmanship. They're not gonna go even an inch beyond what they can see and what they as untrained but 
good observers uh, can can verify. So I see that as as a very different uh, set of experiences, and one explanation doesn't work for both of them. You right. have to come up with two different explanations, which, to my view, may not just increase the the difficulty of a counter explanation arithmetically. It's geometrically. I mean, it's it's not twice as hard. It's four times as hard because you've got to deal with all the elements of both experiences. But even there. I now see that there was a need for the unofficial or informal witnesses who are varied. Because it has been said of the three and the eight that, well, they went out into the woods expecting to see the plates. So mm -hmm. they're primed for it. But you can't say that of the unofficial witnesses. I mean, Mary Whitmer is surprised, completely taken aback by a messenger who shows up when she's out doing some sort of farm work and he shows her the plates under totally non-supernatural conditions or others who have very different experiences. Uh, Lucy Harris in a kind of vision or dream. Um, Lucy Max Smith seeing the objects, the breastplate and so on, and hefting it and turning, you know, turning it over and looking at it and seeing it glint through the cloth. Or um, Catherine Smith uh, being handed the plates and told, go hide these under the bed covers and so that people won't find them. Or Emma Smith cleaning around the house and having to move the plates. This is totally matter of fact. She's not having a spiritual experience. I've sometimes said to my wife, really, when she's unhappy about the piles of things that tend to grow up around my bed and doing housework and has to move all the stuff that I've accumulated. And I say, no, it's not really there. I'm borrowing a leaf from the critics. No, you're just having a revelation. It's a spiritual experience. <laughs> you know, you're just imagining this stuff. It's hallucinatory. I'm sure she loves that. Oh yeah, she does. <laughs> Josiah Stoll catches a glimpse of one of the plates when it's being moved. He's it's coming through a window and the cloth comes off and he sees the plate. He's not primed in some sort of spiritual ecstasy to see that, but he does see it. And he testifies under oath, by the way, that he saw the plates when he's asked, how do you know he had them? I saw them. The other thing that I like about the informal witnesses is that some of them are women. That's what I was gonna ask yeah. about. I've noticed a lot of the ones you brought up are women, which is very interesting to me yeah. because in general, I would love to see more women represented yeah. in church history and in church workings and church authority. Right. So I'm curious, obviously we have those unofficial witnesses that come from women. I'm curious if you have any insight or thoughts on why there were no women included as the three or eight witnesses. I have a speculative reason. I can't mind read the Lord and right. he doesn't say. <laughs> or mind read Joseph or right. whatever. <laughs> but I, I think one reason may simply be this, that, that in early 19th century America, women were not allowed to serve on juries. They weren't allowed to uh -huh. vote. They weren't allowed to own property mostly in their own names, except under very special circumstances. They weren't called as witnesses in cases unless they were very specific kinds of cases. They just weren't given credibility as witnesses. And so I think it would have been wasted in a sense. It would have been mocked mm. in early 19th century America and not just the Americas, other places too. They're hysterical, they're imagining things, all the dismissive things that were said about women at that time, which you can read in the record when the debates come up about ad admitting women as witnesses or allowing women to serve as jurors or allowing them to vote. All those sorts of things are said. Mm. But it, it goes back to ancient times. Um, you can find a parallel case in, in the New Testament account. Who are, who are the first people at the tomb of Jesus after he's risen from the dead? It's women. women. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. And yet when they go back and report to the apostles, the apostles who've not yet seen the empty tomb, the Bible says, the New Testament says, that it seemed to them as idle tales. 
So Peter and John run to the tomb to check it out and find out the tomb is in fact empty. But that was the attitude toward the testimony of women at that ancient time. And, uh, and you see it illustrated, I think, in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul, who was a Pharisaic lawyer, that has to be remembered, he was a trained Pharisaic lawyer, uh, lists off the witnesses to the resurrection. He goes to the apostles and so on, and then Jesus appeared to 500 brethren. But it's notable whom he doesn't mention. He doesn't mention the women. Now, it's possible that Paul didn't know the story. Maybe the Gospels hadn't been written yet or hadn't reached him yet, and he doesn't know the story. But I think a more likely explanation is they're women and they wouldn't be acceptable in a court of law, so why mention it? This is also, by the way, uh, an argument to my mind for the truthfulness of the New Testament account. If you'd just been making it up and you could choose anybody to be first there at the tomb, you wouldn't have chosen women because people wouldn't have taken it seriously. Why does the account say that it was women? Because that's what really happened. So the story is true. It's one of the most moving stories connected with, with Easter. Uh, and likewise, I would say with the unofficial or, or uh, informal witnesses of the Book of Mormon, I think we're beginning to appreciate more and more how important they are because they are so different and, and to show that the voice of women is important even in the early events of the Restoration. Um, they didn't make it into the official lists for reasons that I think pertain to the society of that time. Mm -hmm. But they are there and several of them had experiences that are as good as those of the official witnesses. I mean, they see angelic personages, they see the plates, touch them, turn the pages, all those sorts of things. They are, they are very worthwhile, just as worthwhile as the tes testimonies of the official witnesses are. Thank you. Joseph was dead, the young church balanced on a razor's edge. For grieving saints, there was no tested path, no definitive word on who should lead. But mere hours following Joseph's death, some began to campaign, while others looked for revelation from God. Be a part of the next chapter. Visit sixdaysinaugust.com.